Hey everybody, welcome into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center for Snap Judgments. It is Tuesday of a Toledo game week. As you can see, Ohio State is trying to beat the Rockets on Saturday. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham, I am Austin Ward. We have heard from Ryan Day and Jim Knowles and C.J. Stroud also made an appearance in the team room at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center as the Buckeyes get ready for non-conference tune-up number three. What stood out, Bill? We're calling Notre Dame a non-conference tune-up. <laughs> well, I mean, it is technically. It is technically a non-conference, maybe yeah. not tune-up matchup. I mean, I'll call it at this point. They did boy, I, off to a great start. They did lose. <laughs> they did lose to Marshall. Uh, the, the health, the health of the Buckeyes, I think, is is front of mind for me. Uh, it sounds like good news on the Jackson Smith and Jigba. Julian Fleming, Mike Hall front. Uh, Mike Hall in particular didn't seem like there was any concern at all with that. Um, maybe I guess I was the only one who was. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, when a guy runs off the field the way he did, uh, I think it's fair to be concerned about it. Uh, and they're expecting Jackson and Julian to play. I guess that's a, like a little less certain, maybe. At least in my mind, it sounds a little less certain. But I think at this point, I don't know about you guys, I, I would expect them both to play as well. The more important one to me, not to step on your point, is that Jordan Hancock is expected back this week for oh, the yeah. Toledo game. And and in the secondary where we've talked ad nauseum in the last few weeks about depth in the secondary, depth at corner, just to have that extra you know, chess piece back is, is pretty important. So unfortunately for Toledo, it looks like a full-strength Ohio State team will be heading into the horseshoe on Saturday night in primetime. And Jim Knowles was asked, and Ryan Day as well, several times about Denzel Burke, which plays directly into Jordan Hancock's status. And Jim Knowles pretty much point blank said, we'd like to have him back. I think that uh, we saw J.K. Johnson going in for Denzel Burke. There's not any lack of confidence on the Ohio State coaching staff side that Denzel Burke can return and play at the level that we saw him for most of last season. But this is not the deepest unit on Ohio State's roster. They've had some issues there with Denzel Burke in both games, both Notre Dame and Arkansas State last week with the two pass interference penalties and then getting beat. It's not a, a one-time thing. So they're trying to work through that, and it would help to have the guy that we, all three of us, expected to at least be splitting reps with Cameron Brown and Denzel Burke for the first couple weeks. That's not been part of it, as he's dealt with what we think is a hamstring issue. Uh, so getting it was a look described as pretty serious by Ryan Day, too. Hamstrings can be serious. Yeah, I mean, you don't. You just don't know. I mean, that's what CJ Stroud said last <laughs> week, talking about Jackson Smith and Jigbo when he sort of spilled the beans that that was the actual <laughs> issue. <laughs> You don't know. Hamstring can be, you know, pretty pretty minor. It can be pretty serious. It can be a seven eight week injury, and that's what we've seen. Gosh, it's been probably six weeks at this point for for Jordan Hancock. So clearly, even though we've seen him out here moving around fairly well, it's a lot different when you're jogging or, or walkthroughs in practice as to having to run full speed and, and chase down receivers. Yeah, it's not meant as a knock either. That the most important thing for Ohio State is just getting healthy for Wisconsin, but. If we're being real, it's still a 31.5-point spread for this game. Well, I think it I think it matters to get them all back now, if you can, so they can build a little bit of something before you have to go play Wisconsin. At that position, too, in particular, like, I don't know, Toledo and, and Wisconsin especially aren't the most prolific passing teams, but I did think Jim Knowles made a good point about cornerback that when a guy, like that position, you know, you're not expected to win every time. And when you lose, I think it can kind of wear on you mentally a little bit, and, and you like to have the ability 
to pull a guy off the field if he's having a day or, or a series, even like Denzel Burkhead when he had those two defensive pass interference calls, to put another guy in there who you trust. And I don't know. I think if Jordan Hancock is healthy, they feel like they have that. But unless he's healthy, I, I don't know if they believe. Maybe J.K. Johnson's kind of building that up a little bit. But if you can get just even one more guy in there that you believe in, who you consider starter caliber, I think that's huge for everybody in that room. I'm always trying to find silver linings in those things. And so you, you obviously had a concern about that because you didn't have Hancock. Last week, you were forced to put J.K. Johnson into that mix, and now maybe you trust him a lot more than you did a week ago at this time because he played 50 good snaps, and you can sort of build on that. So maybe it goes from being a potential weakness uh, to a strength if you get Jordan Hancock back and Denzel Burke sort of uh, rights the ship. So, you know, for me, the, the takeaway of the day is just Ryan Day sort of acknowledging in his way that the running game is not where he wants it to be. And I know he said mm-hmm. that he thinks they're cleaner than he thought they'd be, but cleaner doesn't mean efficient. Cleaner doesn't mean that it's, you know, being as productive as he wants it to be. Bill and I talked about this on Monday's podcast daily. I just don't see a lot of room opening up between the tackles. And I think that that's something they're going to have to uh, get better at, especially ahead of Wisconsin. But this weekend, Toledo's got a guy, you know, a good defensive tackle, Judge Culpepper, is a Penn State transfer. Like, that's a guy that's a former four-star. What a name. Yeah, Judge Culpepper. <laughs> he's a former four-star recruit. I mean, he's a pretty big-time player coming out of high school. And, you have Dallas Gant, who knows the Ohio State running, you know, mindset a little bit and understands where they go. And I, I think that it's a week that the Buckeyes need to go out and assert themselves between the tackles. And I, I think that Ryan Day seemed fairly muted in his way of saying, hey, yeah. I'm concerned about this, but that's just the way he is. I think I think cleaner can mean they like the way it's looked in terms of build, building things on top of each other. I think... There's been some really promising things with how they've married the run game to the pass game, which didn't always happen last year. They are mixing it up a little more. I think it, it, it looks somewhat better designed, but then you got to execute it too, and, and that's that's the piece that's missing for them. But I, I guess I agree with the assessment that that the ideas are better, but the execution needs to in, improve. I'm sort of of two minds on it as well because I, I can understand the per- perception that it was just Arkansas State. Like you should be able to move the line of scrimmage every single time, and if you're, and I get that. Like Ohio State has way better athletes. I also come up from the perspective of Arkansas State wanted to take away the run, and Ryan Day's mentality. If he gets one on one with the guy who just walked into the Woody, Marvin Harrison Jr., he's going to want to throw that. And I know that we've talked all off season about short yardage and red zone situations, and you've got to be able to do it when you have to do it. I just. Is it going to be perfect in week two if you're trying some new things and going against mm. Division One coaches and scholarship players who are intent on taking that away? I thought it was a maybe something more of a wake-up call rather than an indication that Ohio State can't do it. I, like I'm not. I don't know that either way is right or wrong at this point. I just I don't leave Saturday thinking mm, they really didn't get it figured out. No, I mean I don't think that they had overwhelming issues. I just think it's a matter of personality and maybe it was because it was Arkansas State maybe it was a noon game maybe it was coming off of Notre Dame I just think that what we saw in the fourth quarter of the Notre Dame game from the Ohio State front five was different than we've seen any of the other quarters so far this season and the other seven quarters look a lot more to me like last year's problems than this fourth quarter Notre Dame looked uh, as far as where they want to be so how, how do you get there and be consistent and you know, it is a line that has three guys in new spots, essentially, and you, you want to see them just grow and, and get more consistent. And Ryan Day's not going to complain about it. They ran for, what, 230 yards or something against, uh, you know, Arkansas State. That's a pretty good day on the ground. 
but they have to be more consistent in between the tackles. I think the other element of that offensively, when you look at Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith and Jigba coming back, and I do not oh, yeah. buy into the notion that... Well, like always. Restock. <laughs> restockdale and Marvin Harrison. Well, time, that time, Tuesday work. Time. <laughs> it, this, this is not meant to be suggested as... like All three of us spent the entire offseason saying, hey, Omeka Ibuka is going to be a real weapon here. So it's not a silver lining or a blessing that Jackson Smith and Jigba was out. I think what I, what struck me, at least on Tuesday afternoon, was Ohio State already knew what Emeka was going to be capable of. They had an indication of what Marvin Harrison could do. Now, like the fact that Emeka Egbuka was doing that without Jackson Smith and Jigba on the field is a problem for every defensive coordinator in the Big Ten. Because yeah. you can't just say, ah, well, he's, he's getting the benefit of all this extra attention on Jackson. He's just stealing these extra catches. Now you know that those two can do it without the extra help, and then you think, oh, my God, how do I defend that? Well, yes, but they are going to have more room when, <laughs> when, when Jackson is out there. Like There have been times, in mostly in the Notre Dame game, less so last week, where the defensive backs felt a little sticky, I thought, on Ohio State's receivers. And Ohio State's receivers, I think, still played well. It was fine. Like, it's, it's not a criticism of them. Sometimes you play good defensive backs. But to now enter a world where everyone's going to be watching where Jackson goes, like the, every, the coordinators looking where Jackson is, everyone in the secondary is looking where Jackson is, everything keys off of him. Those guys are just going to have so much more space to operate, uh, which to me means this offense is about to take off because it's looked pretty good without him. I mean, we know what it looks like when he's out there, and it's looked pretty good without him. I was prepared to say, you know what, they get Jackson back, and it's going to, Omeka's going to have f 14 catches next weekend. And then I realized that last year, the two games when Jackson Smith and Jigba had 15 catches, Garrett Wilson didn't play one of them, and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave didn't play mm -hmm. the other one. So it doesn't matter how many guys are out there. When you have Jackson Smith and Jigba out there, he's going to be the focus of the offense. And so whatever Emeka Abuka and Marvin Harrison can provide just as complementary pieces to that, as you said, like it opens up the entire thing. And obviously that will also open up the middle of the defense in the running game you because so, you have yeah. much more opportunity for Jackson Smith and Jigba to settle down in some zones and, and, and soften up the middle. So, you know, it, it has felt clunky at times, but obviously you don't go into the season expecting your best offensive player to play three snaps and then miss the next two games. So, uh, I'm sure that the guys inside of this building are just sort of ready to let uh, a, a lot of this anxiety uh, go. And un unfortunately, I think that's probably going to land squarely on the head <laughs> of uh, Rocky, the Rocket, uh, this weekend. because It's the number four defense in the country, I was told. Hey, the Rockets are a much better defensive team than they've been in the last decade. I have no doubt saying that. They're still not going to be ready for Ohio State. Uh, but they are not a team that's going to come in here and be intimidated. I mean, yeah. they, they have guys that have been around. They've played in big environments, and, and Ohio State will need to take them seriously. And I think that Ryan Day tried to keep saying that, like, hey, it doesn't matter who we play. It doesn't matter who we play. And that's not to say Toledo stinks. It's Ohio State takes care of business. Ohio State's going to win the game. So they just need to take care of business. What is um, – Toledo was thought of, like, this year, like one of the better teams in the MAC, they, right? They're the – they're the favorite to win their their division and should be a you know top twenty five team. It's a pretty it's a pretty good Toledo team. I, I just ask because like I when Ohio State has played MAC teams, they usually don't play particularly good MAC teams. And that's I get like again like it's a thirty plus point spread for a reason. But it 
the top teams in the MAC have usually been pretty quality teams. Well, so Northern like, Illinois came in here in twenty. They had PJ Fleck rode rode a boat in here and played yeah, a tough game. Yeah. Northern Illinois came in here and played a tough game. The last time Toledo was at Ohio Stadium was 2011. It was a 27-22 final for mm-hmm. Ohio State. The Buckeyes were losing that game in the third quarter um, against you know Luke Fickle's first year as uh, as the as the interim coach. So uh, that was the first time Toledo had ever scored at Ohio Stadium. Yeah. They were shut out the previous two times, 38 nothing, 49 nothing. But I think we'll see more of the 49 to nothing. Well, wasn't they played uh, Miami in 2019? And I think Miami ended up being pretty good that year, that right? Was a 70, it was like 72 70, to 5 yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That was when Just, Justin Fields' first play of the game was a 53. First, first play of his Ohio State career was a 53-yard touchdown yeah. run or whatever. So that, There were a lot of people that wanted to prove something on that one, I think. <laughs> uh, did you guys get enough Caden Curry conversation? No, I mean, I, I would like to yeah. know if Jim Knowles thinks that he can change the defense, which is what we've talked about the last couple of days. Not change the defense in whole, but I just want flexibility when you have a clear drop-off between the second-team defensive ends and and the thirds. So if that means Caden Curry finds a way to mix in the rotation either at the end or standing up and let Jack go back to the, the traditional edge rusher, then I think it's good for Ohio State. It seems clear. If you listen to Jim Knowles and Ryan Day talk in America, you can watch that on our on our feed. You sure can, America. Um, it seems pretty – there's a there's a twinkle that yeah. appears in the eye when they talk about Caden Curry. We saw it on Saturday night. Uh, from Ryan Day when he was asked about it in the post-game press conference. And you saw it again today. They really do like what he brings. I asked Ryan Day how they view the way Caden Curry played at the end of the game. Because I, I think you could just sort of chalk it up to, well, it's garbage time. Who cares? I, I don't. But I, but I wondered if, if the coaching staff might. And I don't, I don't think they are either. I think sometimes we take for granted how difficult it is to go out on the field in the college football game as a true freshman and look like you belong. <laughs> um, and, and then on top of that, just play really well and start making some splash plays. I really think that mattered. Uh, I, I don't know what it means for this week. I'm, I'm on alert to see if he gets on, in the game earlier because I, I think he planted something in the mind of this coaching staff that he can handle it when they throw him out there. I look at it this way. There are guys who are out there as true freshmen who aren't making those plays. And so to me, that says something about the guys that are out there making it because it's clearly not just, hey, go out there and play football like, you, like you've like you always done. You're in a whole different environment. First time you're getting reps in a college game, at that point, you know, there's 75,000 people, 70,000 people left in the stadium. Yep. That's still a whole hell of a lot of people mm-hmm. to go out there and make plays in front of and to bring energy to a part of the game where the fourth string defense is in. And sometimes we see that sort of be look a little sluggish, you know, sluggish, sluggy. Sluggish. Yeah. sluggish. I like to just create words. Um, and when he was out there, he didn't let that happen. So that matters. And that's what these guys are looking for. They're looking for energy and effort. And you know you're going to get that from Caden Curry. And when that opportunity comes, there is a lot to be said for taking advantage of it whenever it is. That next opportunity for all the Buckeyes will be Saturday in prime time, still trying to get used to that. Uh, kickoff time for Ohio State and Toledo. Maybe by Saturday, I will. But it's still only Tuesday, so I have some time for that. That's Bill Berm. I'm Austin. Thanks for joining us for Snap Judgments on the podcast. We'll see you tomorrow.